go. Thank you. Good day, everyone. For those of you here in uh, the Holy Land, I hope you're keeping cool. It's probably the warmest day of the year so far. This week's Parsha Kitavo speaks about the, the attitude of Jews towards the land of Israel, towards the Torah, uh, so to speak, towards the God of Israel. There's behavior that people have, but there's also something that we call attitude. How do we look at things? And uh, the, we are taught that uh, the word vehaya, which begins this week's parsha, is a positive attitude. It reflects uh, simcha. Uh, it reflects uh, a happy state of being. And uh, sometimes the parsha begins vayihi. And that reflects a uh, sad, depressed, it's a language of disparagement, of uh, depression. Now, uh, both words contain within it the letters kaviochel of God's name, the vov and the yud and the hey. Those are the three letters that appear in God's name. In Vayihi, the Yud appears twice. In Vahaya, the He appears twice. But it's the same letters. And this is a confirmation to the Posik that we know in Megillah Seicha. Both uh, good and bad, so to speak, emanate from the same source, from heaven, where it is always good. So even though when it descends to earth, we may sense it to be something evil and problematic, but the source of it is the greatness of God, and the God, by definition, is goodness. And therefore, uh, both Vayihi and Vahaya, even though they are used to indicate different attitudes, really both emanate from Kaviochel the Rabboni Shalom. So we will see later in the Parsha that Moshe scolds the Jewish people. Hashem 
you had the opportunity to worship God out of joy, out of good heartedness. You didn't do so. You complained all the time. You see the whole message of the Jewish people in the desert of Sinai is complaint. Nothing is ever good enough. They're always missing something. And that type of an attitude leads to a lack of gratitude. And a lack of gratitude leads to uh, negative feelings that the person himself has regarding everything that around that surrounds him. So to speak, we put ourselves in a bad mood. When a person's in a bad mood, then nothing helps. You can give him the uh, finest uh, steak meal in the world, and uh, to him it's ashes. He's in a bad mood. Now, many times we're in a bad mood for silly reasons. Our sports team didn't win. So that depresses us. Or other really minor things in life. But we build minor things into major things. The nature of people is to do so. And therefore, we are colored by what happens. And we're a victim of our emotions and our moods. So the Torah said, When you come to Eretz Yisrael, you have to come to Simcha. You have to come with a good attitude. If you come with a bad attitude, the land will destroy you. And that's exactly what happened there. It says in the Torah, If you listen to my mitzvahs with a good mood, so then there's a bracha. But if you don't view it with a good mood, if you don't think it's a blessing, if you look at it as a burden. So then uh, what could have been so wonderful turns into nothing. It turns just into the opposite. The blessing becomes basically a curse. So there's a great deal of dissatisfaction in life that people have to deal with. And the dissatisfaction in our minds is many times justified. God forbid there are tragedies in the family, there are sicknesses. People lose loved ones. People lose wealth. People experience all sorts of things. What is the attitude? How do we deal with it? So there's a posseg in Eov. 
Hein yakti leini lo ayacheo. Now, Eov uh, is the uh, paragon of the long-suffering person in the world. There's a difference of opinion in the Talmud, who Eov was, whether he even was. Maybe it's only an allegory, one opinion. But in any event, Eov is represented to us as a righteous, noble, observant, God-loving, good person. And the Sotan, however we understand that, uh, says to God, yeah, it's easy for Eov to be a good person because everything is going well for him. But if you'll test him, if things will not go well, so then we'll see what kind of EOV is. You'll see he'll rebel against you. And as the book of EOV unfolds, this uh, negative thing happens to EOV. He loses his family. He loses his wealth. He loses his health. He's deserted by the world, except for a few friends who uh, really uh, come and uh, make the situation worse. They say to him, you know, it must be all your fault. Otherwise, these things couldn't happen to you. The question is unresolved because human uh, human existence remains mysterious. But Eov says to God, because the whole book, the over the 40 chapters, is a conversation, so to speak, with heaven. He says, God, even if you come to kill me, I still pray unto you. In other words, you can't shake me. You can't lose me. Because I have nowhere else to go. And therefore, even complaints to God is are also a relationship with God. You have to have somebody to complain to. You have to have someone to whom you can express your frustrations and feelings. So that it lies implicit in the Parsha. You could have worshipped God out of Sikha. Can you have a conversation with God out of Simcha? Out of joy. You could say, God, uh, look uh, what I have. Thank God. The main thing is that, you know, I'm still here to talk to you. The Gemara says on the post, Why should a person complain? So the Gemara says, You're alive to complain. So it's already, you're already ahead of the game. 
we find by Avram Avinu that he was tested ten times. The Omad Bechulam, and he became a greater person after each one. His faith was not shaken, except there's one place. And the Lord promised to merit Israel. Then he said, Bame Eida, Ki How do I know that I'm going to get Eretz Israel? The Mephorshim say, Eretz Israel became, and it is in all of Jewish history, the most difficult of tests. Unfortunately, we have failed it a number of times. And we who live here day in and day out and have to contend with the fact that Eretz Israel is not only a spiritual place, but it's a physical place. And we have to adjust to it. So Eretz Israel is an enormous challenge. It was such a challenge that even Avram Avinu said, I don't know if I can do it. So think of it. He can sacrifice his son, that he can do. His wife can be taken away from him by the Pharaoh, that he can do. The city of Zdom and Amora, millions of people can be destroyed in front of his eyes, that he can deal with. Eretz Yisrael, he doesn't know if he can deal with it. And therefore, the Torah tells us in the beginning of this week's parsha, for when you come not only into the land, when you come to deal with the land, you come to deal with Eretz Yisrael. So what's your attitude? So your attitude is that the weather in San Diego is better. Or that life in other parts of the world may be easier. Or Eretz Israel is certainly not perfection. The famous idea that reverberates within all of us, with all Jews. I waited 2,000 years for this. So we always had a fanciful picture that the soil would be perfection. And if it's not perfection, then we're not happy with it. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. Uh, yeah. I have constantly uh, shocked almost that you have today, maybe I don't want to say uh, numbers or percentage, but you have a large section of the Jewish people that don't care about Eretz Israel. That it plays no role in their lives. So the Ravonu Shalom says to us, Tachas Hashem 
you didn't want to worship me in good times when you could have done it besimcha in appreciation. So there'll be other times that you'll be forced to, and it won't be so fortuitous. It won't be so happy. That's a bitter lesson. So when the Torah says, means your attitude should be a Lashon Simcha. I came in there to soil. So now I have an opportunity for more mitzvahs. I have an opportunity that the Lord has given me to be in a holy place and to be able to deal with holiness on a different level. The Gemara teaches us, the Gemara in Shabbos, Gozru Chachomim Tumu Aler The uh, rabbis made a rabbinic decree that anyone who leaves Eretz Yisrael automatically is tome, unclean. Why did they do that? Especially since the Torah itself didn't do it. So why did the Torah make it so, the rabbis made it more so much more difficult? And the answer is because they sensed that the people lost the idea of what Eretz Yisrael was. And therefore they were just as happy in Bovell or wherever. We have a long history of that. And that all comes from the fact that Vayoki Savoela Oretz should be Besimcha, and we see it that it's a problem and it's not an opportunity. So that's an adjustment in uh, mental thinking, in uh, spiritual development and how we look at the world. So many times we think that it's vayehi, which is a negative thing. And it really is vahaya, which is a positive thing. And it depends upon us, how we uh, scribe it, how we deal with it. And that's why the, the beginning of the Parsha is so important. You'll come there to soil, so I'm going to pile on the mitzvahs for you. You're going to bring Bikurim to the base of Migdash. So, you know, the, the farmer uh, works, uh, there's no more difficult. Uh, profession, so to speak, in the world than being a farmer. I once read an autobiography of John Kenneth Galbraith, uh, the famous economist. He was a Canadian. 
and he said his parents were farmers in Canada. He was raised on a farm. He said it was all back-breaking, dawn-to-dusk work. So he said later in life he noticed that everyone that goes to agricultural school, to college, to an A&M college, which specializes in producing farmers, are not the children of farmers. The children of farmers avoid it. They become economists. So the Torah, the man worked for to make a crop. And the Torah tells him what to do with the crop. You have to have Samto Batene, you'll put it in a basket, you'll bring it up to your shalim, you give it to the Kohen. What's the Kohen got to do with it? What did he do? Why doesn't he go get a job? And what's the whole ceremony in the base Amigdish? to change our attitude to realize what Eretz Yisrael is to realize what fruit from Eretz Yisrael really is to realize what's involved in mitzvahs atluyos b'oretz the agricultural mitzvahs that are part of our life every day even if we're not aware of it you go into the uh, fruit and vegetable store, you know, and there's a sign hanging uh, that it's, that there's a hersher and the mashgiach came today and took care of everything. So it doesn't really touch us because it's all taken care of, but the truth of the matter is it's us. It's truma and meiser. It's orla, kalayim. There's all sorts of things. Because there is no food in Eretz Israel that's not holy. Uh, we unfortunately can contaminate it, but that's not the fault of Eretz Israel. Because that lies in an attitude. I've told you many, many times the story, but the, to me, it's a, it says it all that. Uh, when uh, Baron Rothschild uh, founded the Carmel Wine Company. So in 1882, uh, the first bottle of wine was ready. So he had it sent to uh, Rabbi Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, the Nitziv of Alojan, the Rosh Yeshiva of Alojan, who was then the head of the Chovah on the lovers of Zion and Lita as a gift. And uh, at that time, living in the house of the Nitziv was his nephew, uh, Rabbi Borach Halevi Epstein, uh, the author of the Torah Tmima. So in his memoir, Makor Boruch, that he wrote, he wrote that he was present in the house that the day somehow they delivered the bottle of wine. I don't know how they got it there. It wasn't UPS or FedEx or the post office. I guess a Jew from from the land of Israel 
that traveled. Anyway, the bottle of wine arrived. And the Nitziv, when the bottle of wine arrived, went into his bedroom and changed into his Sabbath clothing in honor of a bottle of wine that was produced by Jews in the land of Israel and had within it the fulfillment of the laws of agriculture that the Torah prescribed for the Holy Land. So that's an attitude. I was in America many, many times over the past 25 years since I lived here. And uh, I've always insisted that wherever I stayed, if they're going to serve wine on Shabbat, that they go out and buy Israeli wine. I remember once somebody told me, but this wine, he had, he had wine from, I don't know, Chile or Argentina or some fancy wine. Ted was $150 a bottle, whatever. And I told them, I said, you know, you missed the point. Your ancestors would have walked across Europe in the snow barefoot to get a bottle of wine from Manchester. And you're, uh, you know, you're a fine schmecker. You, you want wine from Chile or Argentina or Australia or whatever. And I'm not demeaning anything here. I'm just talking about attitude. And the whole parsha of Ahoyo Kitavo is attitude. And what attitude leads to. So the proper attitude leads to bracha. As we read later in the parsha, borachato boir, borachato basode, borachato we're blessed whatever whatever we do. But the wrong attitude is just the opposite. And the wrong attitude is built upon the fact that we don't appreciate what we have. Especially now in the month of Elul, and as we approach Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, so we all realize that this Yom and the Rayim is going to be different, no matter what. No matter where we pray, no matter how we pray, it's going to be different because uh, of what the coronavirus has done and the effect on society, everything that's happened to us. So what will our attitude be? Will our attitude be one of complaint? Look what you did to us. Or will our attitude be Dayoshukai? Thank you that I'm here to pray. That I somehow can still have some sort of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippurim. I think that this is a very important message. 
And that's why in the beginning of the Parsha, not only do we have the mitzvah Bikurim, we have that the the man who brings the Bikurim has to recite the whole Parsha, a whole, he has to review Jewish history. He has to put himself in perspective before he leaves the temple. I'm from Yaakov Avinu onwards. I have to figure out where I am. What's my position in the world? What's my purpose? What's my mission? What am I supposed to accomplish? So that's if you have an attachment to God out of Simcha. So then you want to do the best that you can. You interview for a position, so you put on your nicest clothing and uh, you uh, try to make the best impression you can. Well, that's the way it is with the Rabboni Shalom. We're trying to make an impression. And the Rabboni Shalom tells us how to do so. Hashem chofetz laman tzidko. God is righteous. He wants us to be good. He wants us to appreciate life. He wants us to overcome all the challenges. Yagdil Torah v'yadir. The Torah will become greater through us. Those are important lessons. So we always read Kitovo at the end of the year. Sometimes it's even the last parsha. This year it's not. Nitzavim Vayelech will be. But it comes to focus us, to help us understand to be wise people. And in that wisdom, that we are able to find satisfaction. And if we find satisfaction, then we can find happiness as well. And we'll be able to worship Besimcha Uvetuv Levov. So I want to thank you all for listening. And Emir Tzashem will learn together next week on Sunday. Everyone should be well and healthy, and a Shabbat Shalom.